Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. This is the OKest Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, if that's just me for the freezer. It's your tag, you hunt how you want. This is OKest Hunter. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the OKest Hunter podcast coming at you from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, out of the OKest Hunter podcast studio brought to you by Half Rack. Head over to half-rack.com and check out all their swag. They just dropped their new cooler, the meat lug. Uh, This thing is freaking huge. So if you can see it on the screen, if you're watching, it's very large. Uh, Stay tuned for some fun content with that. This weekend, um, I'm going to bring it to Foam Fest with me so people can see it. One of the cool things about doing what I would call exper- exper- experiential marketing, like grassroots stuff, going to an event where you're going to be able to try out the Latitude saddle and uh, carbon speed sticks that we got here. You're going to be able to see the half rack products. Um, they're cooler. We're giving away a lot of stuff. We're giving away, I did the math, which well, I guess you can't trust me doing math, but we're giving away like $4,500 worth of product. I shouldn't say giving away. It's like a raffle. It's a raffle. Um, we are giving away one free bear archery legit bow. Uh, it's an RTH, which stands for ready to hunt. And uh, then everything else is raffled off. Everyone gets a, a raffle ticket with their um, you know entry fee. And you're getting breakfast, lunch, dinner, plus one free drink voucher. So we're trying our best to take care of everybody that's coming. Um, we're also going to win, yeah, I mean, lots of stuff. So lots of Spartan Forge memberships. Uh, Go Wild sent some products over. A really, really nice Garmin watch. A really cool recurve bow. Um, what else am I missing here? Half Rack has a ton of stuff they're giving away per usual. All these hunter hangers that you see in our studio where you hang up, like, our buck grunt tubes and our headphones and everything else. Uh, got a bunch in my garage, too. So nonetheless... Lots of stuff there, and uh, you can try stuff out. I feel like I'm just talking in circles. Greg is busy. Derek is busy. They decided to leave me hanging tonight like a bunch of a-holes. No, I'm just kidding. I love those guys. Uh, but we do have a guest, so don't worry. It won't be me the whole time rambling on by myself because that would be really, really terrible. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Um, other updates. I'm trying to think. Foam Fest is the big one, guys. Like That is this weekend on Saturday at Horicon Mar- Horicon. Uh, Marsh Bowman or Horicon Marsh Archers. Um, let's see. Get there at 9 o'clock, eat some donuts, drink some coffee, shoot the breeze, go shoot the course. It's beautiful. It's sprayed for mosquitoes. Uh, come back, hang out. There's lots of kid activities, balloon popping, target practice, uh, antler shed hunt for kids with uh, redeemable prizes of candy. 
uh, what else? Sensory bins, if we can get that part figured out, some coloring books, and just, I think there's some playgrounds there. They might be a little old, but they're there, and they're nice, and lots of just room to run around for, for kids in this open space. They got a clubhouse inside, so plenty to do. Bring your friends, family, whoever you want. Um, I'm trying to think, am I, am I remembering or forgetting anything? I probably am, so head over to okshunter.com. You go to the events page. You click on that, it'll take you to Eventbrite if you want to register, it's 40 bucks, and you'll see more about like the itinerary or the agenda or whatever you want to call it. You'll see kind of what we got going on there. So should be a ton of fun. That being said, we do have a guest. We've wasted enough time. Uh, it's 6.22, I'm running late today. That is my fault. So without further shenanigans, let's bring you into the show here. Caitlin Armstrong, how's it going? How you doing tonight? Awesome, how about yourself? Oh, just dandy. You know, one thing after the next, just rolling <laughs> with the punches over here. <laughs> Sounds pretty okay to me. Yeah, so <laughs> thanks. It, that's the name of the game over here. I just poured up a nice uh, drop time spirits bourbon. I just, we ran out of bourbon, so I had to go reach into the, the case and pull out a new bottle here, and it's delicious. Um, what are you drinking? I saw you pour something before. Yeah, I'm drinking a mule. Oh, nice. That's a pretty good idea. That's a good summer drink. I'm a fan. Cool. I bought these cups specifically because they're one of my favorite drinks. So and it's just not the same if you drink it at anything else. No, you have to have the copper mug. We have copper mugs from like our wedding and they're they're like silver now or whatever the hell color like it turns to after the copper wears off, which is a thing, I guess. Oh. So I'm not cool anymore. But <laughs> anyway, you're out of Ohio. Um, you're an hour ahead. I at some point ran into your content like most people. Uh, I think probably on TikTok, maybe and then Instagram, and uh, correspond a little bit. And you decided to take us up on our invite and jump on the podcast. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Of course. Uh, Love hunting out. So. <laughs> yeah. So you you tell me about your journey into hunting. Is it something you've always done? Is it something you're picking up on your own? Like, what's your preferred? You know, is it turkey? Is it whitetail? What it, what uh, gets you going out in the woods? Uh, can you i'm sorry can you say that again it like froze on my screen and i didn't hear your question hey, at all <laughs> that's fine um yeah how did you get into hunting is it have you been doing it like your whole life is it newer to you and what do you love to chase the most um so started hunting when i was a kid uh shot my first deer at 12 in new hampshire because that's where i grew up i live in ohio now um and then my dad always brought me to Ohio when I was a teenager. After I killed a couple deer in New Hampshire, he would go hunt in Ohio um, and do fun like out-of-state hunts because hunting here is just way better than the Northeast. <laughs> um, and I fell in love with it and taught myself how to bow hunt a couple years ago because I only grew up gun hunting and um, picked up bow hunting, saddle hunting, and filming all in the same year. And what what, what year was that? Three, huh? What year is that that you picked all that up? Three years ago. Okay. Uh, COVID. COVID. <laughs> no doubt. That's crazy. Yeah. So I didn't, yeah, I taught myself how to shoot a bow and bought a saddle and started filming all the year of COVID because I lost all my jobs. And I think there was still like, I don't know, there wasn't like hunting season wasn't still in session, but it was like. I love scouting. Like as soon as season ends, I love to scout. So I was driving to go scout and I just pulled my phone up and made a joke. And I was just like, 
Uh, it's the Corona Apocalypse. Hi guys, I'm a YouTuber now. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom of my channel, it's still there. It's still on YouTube. And uh, I was totally joking, but here we are three years later, still doing it so and loving it. Um, and then uh, to last year, well, I suppose it's been two years now. Last year was my first time hunting turkeys and I basically was teaching myself. Um, I didn't really have anybody helping until the end. So that was a struggle. I think I made all the mistakes you could possibly make. And then this year I got to go again and I learned a lot. And yeah, basically that's that's that. I would love to get more into turkey hunting, um, but whitetails are my passion. That's pretty cool that you're kind of, so let's go back to like COVID. You just like, was it just, you said you lost your job or did you quit? What happened there that like sparked the, like what sparked, oh, I'm going to go get a bow. I'm going to teach myself how to do, get a, like, I want to hear about why bow hunting. I, I know you were gun hunting first. I want to hear how you just arrived at saddle first. And then the filming part, like that is a lot to add. Any one of those things is enough in and of itself. Yeah. Well, I like to do things the hard way, I guess. Always have. <laughs> so um, like if learning how to shoot a bow by yourself wasn't hard enough, I was like, oh, I'll buy a camera. Oh, let's do it out of a saddle. Uh, let's do it all on public land. I don't even know how to hunt. Let's just do it all. <laughs> I mean, I've been hunting since I was a kid. Let me rephrase. I've been hunting since I was a kid, but um, it was very much like, like my dad only had one day off a week. So it was very much like, here's your tree, you know, you know where to shoot a deer. And that yeah. was kind of, you know, other than that, it was like, oh, look, there are the deer tracks. Like I knew how to find deer signs, but I didn't understand like why we were setting up in that tree. So I essentially had to teach myself how to hunt as well, <laughs> even though I had been hunting my whole life, like strategy and stuff. I just didn't know. And um, so, yeah, I lost both my jobs during COVID and, you know, hunting and being in the woods, that's qualifies as social distancing. So I just started I made a joke and, and made a, like a YouTube video about scouting. And I was like, you know, that was really fun. And I edited it and it came out halfway decent for a first video ever made, made another video about putting out trail cameras because it was still COVID. Yeah. And that one actually got halfway decent views for me not having any subscribers. And I was like, okay. And then, um, I wanted to get a bow because I had actually been using a crossbow for the last two years. Because, oh, what kind of crossbow did you have? Oh, it was a Yukon <laughs> Horton SL, and okay. it's like the oldest, older. I don't think I've ever seen a crossbow older than that one. So it wasn't like <laughs> so, a raven or something. Oh, no. This crossbow <laughs> was not ethical to shoot past 35 yards. Okay. It was older than crap. <laughs> and uh, it, it uh, had like the pin on it, and actually the pin broke. And I couldn't buy a new one because they don't make them anymore. So I had had to buy like fluorescent glow in the dark paint and like paint the tip of it. <laughs> I killed a lot of deer with that crossbow. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I Isn't did. Crazy the hand me down things that we have, like that we yeah. get as hunters. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, like... well, absolutely. I I bought that bow for like I think I paid like eighty dollars for my cousin, and it was my grandfather's bow. So crossbow. So I mean, I thought that was pretty cool, but because I had gun hunted my entire life, I thought. That's a that good transition, gun to crossbow. Exactly. Like, yeah, because yeah. they're very similar. Like, you're not, yeah. 
Yeah. And because I was teaching myself, like I didn't know to the difference. I mean, there's massive difference between using a bullet and an arrow. And even if the arrow is coming out of a crossbow, it's still different than a gun. So I used that for two years and killed a couple deer. And then COVID hit. And I mean, even though I lost my job, um, I decided to buy a bow and I, I just went to go like shoot him at the shop. I didn't, I was like, no, I probably shouldn't spend the money. And then I shot it a couple times and I have a picture of me like wearing a COVID mask, holding the bow. Like, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to get it. And, uh, yeah, I ended up taking it home and it gave me something to do when I didn't have a job. So I was just able to focus on shooting it all the time. And then, um, with filming and, shooting my bow it was really hard to film out of a tree stand that was a nightmare so well at least for me it was it's a nightmare for a lot of us there's a lot of like groups on facebook like self-film <laughs> hunters and it's difficult yeah. there's a lot of things to consider like i don't know i still oh. i hate self-filming i won't do it yeah i absolutely hated it and then um so i started watching like i started um searching on youtube like how to self-film on public land bow hunting you know those keywords and um uh, all the popular people like the hunting public and stuff started popping up and I was watching a lot of their videos and I'm like mm, saddle I should probably give that a go <laughs> <laughs> that's great so saddle hunting is if you if you, yeah like I I so the okay is hunter brand like we're basically just Polacks. like we make something that should be straightforward and easy and we make it as difficult as humanly possible so yeah when I got into the, the saddle hunting for the first time, I went with a friend, Anthony Heller, who runs the Deer Vein podcast. He had two of them. I went on a hunt with him, and he helped me, like, figure it out and get into the tree. So he was in the same tree with me. He was kind of filming me, and uh, I, I thought it was fine, but it was not a – it was a single-piece saddle. And it felt like I just kept needing to, like, pull it down past my butt. And I was like, man, I can't – this is – and it wouldn't because it doesn't it didn't do that i was like so I was like i needed it to be lower and it was frustrating and i was like it was fine like i could handle it but it wasn't ideal but i've also yeah. never really loved hunting out of a tree stand because i don't know why i just just sitting i just feel so locked in like it's not my jam so i switched to a latitude method to two-piece saddle and that gives you all of the adjustability that i never had with the single piece and i love it i love it a lot like but when I first got it, I remember thinking, like, what the – I didn't know what a bridge was. I didn't know what a tether was. I didn't understand, like, hip pinch and all this stuff that people talk about. And I had a buddy, Clay Thurman, reach out to me recently saying, all right, I got one. Like, I think I'm doing it wrong, which is shocking for him because he's, like, a, he's like a killer. Like, he knows what he's doing with stuff. And I thought he was messing with me. And I, he's like, Eric, you need to explain this. He's like, you're asking the wrong dude, man. He's like, no, no, give me your, <laughs> give me your breakdown on it. And I did. And I think he said I had some sort of like unconscious, like intellect or something, something. It was basically like a backhanded compliment, but in a really friendly way. It wasn't bad. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe I do know what I'm talking about sometimes. Like it was interesting to know that I actually could articulate how to use this thing. Um, but if you haven't ever used them before, if you don't have someone to help you through that stuff or a lot of good YouTube videos, it could be like, I don't know how much YouTube you had if you had a close friend, but it would be a really hard purchase without trying one first. That's why I would like trade shows. I think trade shows are good so you can try one. We're doing our Foam Fest event. We're going to have those things there so people can try them. Um, usually that's like the, oh, I can do this. That was comfortable. I can shoot weak side, strong side. This is all good to go. Like, I get it now. 
Oh yeah. I've worked a couple conventions. In fact, that's what I did all summer is work conventions and, um, for like different companies. And, um, when it comes to trying out a saddle, you get all these people walking past you that are like non-believers and they're like, that looks dumb or, Oh, that wouldn't be comfortable for me. Or I'm too old or I'm too big or I'm not athletic enough. And then you're like, okay, well, you want to give it a go? Like maybe you're right, but there's no harm in trying it here. And you wouldn't believe like the turnover rate of how many people actually we get to like convert into buying a saddle right there and then just from trying it and given the instructions, because you're right, it is extremely hard to learn how to use it the first time you pull it out of the package and, you know, put it on and you don't understand all the little tiny adjustments you can make. Like, I feel like I've helped people who've never gotten to in a saddle um, so much learn how to get comfortable in one at this point, like I can take one look at how somebody is wearing their saddle and I'm like, Oh, it's pinching you here move it here move it there. And they're like, how can you tell? And I'm like, well, I've just been in one long enough to know I can see it. I can see where you're getting tension or hip pinch. And I think a lot of people, maybe they're not purchasing the right saddles for them. Or I don't know when I bought my first saddle, I went with a super budget saddle. Mm-hmm. And I would have stubbornly hunted out of it for the rest of the season. Thank goodness I did not. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 it matters what saddle you buy. I have to say that it does yeah. matter comfort wise. Saddle hunting is awesome. But if you do go with the most budget one out on there on the market, like you're going to get a budget product and budget comfort. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. And I don't like, I always think, I think of people like I'm uh, 37 years old. So, like, doing an all-day sit out of a saddle a couple days in a row, I don't care how much you adjust for hip pinch. If you sit in one of those things for eight, you know, nine hours or whatever it ends up being, it, it's going to have an impact on you. Just like sitting in a tree stand is going to have an impact on you on your back or something. Unless you find a tree with a nice knot for a lumbar support, like, y- you're going to have some di- general discomfort. What I appreciate about those is that, like, you can – because you're uncomfortable. Like if I ride in a car for eight hours, I'm uncomfortable. It's not, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what you do. If you do something that long, you're sedentary. It's just going to take a toll on you. But you can stand, you can sit, you can stretch. I crack my back in mine. That's always a great feature. Oh, I do too. I you lean know. back in mine bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just you get your comfortable position, but like comp, you can confidently shoot. Like I, when I shot, um, God, gosh, did I get? Yeah, so I got my first, the 2020 buck I got out of a tree stand and the 2022 buck I got out of a saddle and the 2022 buck out of the saddle felt real good like that felt great my tree stand shot was questionable uh, but the tree was also questionable so like who knows um yeah that's that's very that one of my users uh, or the listeners just said she got ambition that's that's huge no matter what you're doing to tackle all that stuff um and how's it been going like so three years you've killed some deer with that old janky crossbow but like where are you at now how's it feel now um like in regards to all like yeah how have you yeah how have you like yeah have you gotten more comfortable with all that stuff like obviously your content game is crushing it so filming must be going decent you know you're putting on like a digital or a virtual saddle series clinic of how to hunt saddles i've seen that (laughs) so like yeah your confidence is up there and you gotta you gotta you know a compound bow so let's how do you feel now um, I would say I'm really, really comfortable in a saddle. Um, 
uh, it's still only my, this would be my fourth year going into uh, shooting with the compound. So I'm still, I would say I'm still relatively new with hunting for with the compound and still relatively new with filming, obviously. Um, I, there's, there's not a shortage in learning. I don't think no matter how long you do it, even though I've been doing it for four years, it took me, or this is my fourth. So even though I've been doing it for three years, it took me three years to shoot a buck on film. So, you know, I mean, the first year I wasn't successful shooting anything on film because I complete, I saw the buck coming in, ditched the camera and shot the <laughs> buck with my bow. So it was still a success because it was my first year. And second year, I really wanted to get a deer on film. And I came to the realization that it wasn't going to happen with a buck because I was always going to ditch the camera. So I had to learn to get over those nerves. And I put a lot of time and effort into drawing back on does and getting them in my camera, you know, and just trying to get a doe kill on film. And because I put all my time and effort into that in the 2021 season, I didn't kill a buck because um, there was a couple of mistakes I had made throughout the season that also caused me not to kill a buck. But I, I did put a, I did put a lot of time and effort into trying to kill a doe on film. And I told myself that if I completed that, I could get over my nerves so that I could continue to self film because I honestly think that self filming makes you a better hunter. Um, just because you have to shoot the deer twice once with your camera and your bow and you have to shoot the deer twice at the same time. And if anybody's ever attempted self filming, like you really got to love it because you're also going to hate it at the same time. <laughs> um, but as far as like how I feel about it now, um, I still love it and I have love hate relationship with it. It definitely takes away from the like, oh, I'm just going out into the woods to hunt to get away from life. Like hunting isn't necessarily the escape for me anymore, but I love it so much. It doesn't matter. Like I want that to be like my world. So it's, it's work, it's play, it's all mixed into one. Um, so, but yeah, I'm not gonna, not gonna quit anytime soon for sure. I hope that I'm just going to get better and better with my content every year. And, um, I know that there's going to be a lot of more failures involved than successes, but hopefully the successes, you know, are worth it and outweigh all the struggle. Yeah. I mean, failures are best teacher and that's where you have some fun too. And you get, that's your, the best lessons learned are from mistakes. Self-filming is a pain in the ass. Like oh, yeah, camera, like GoPros are supposed to be easy to work, but like the number of times I thought it was recording it wasn't is like most of them. <laughs> I just oh yeah, just the, the amount of times where you think you press record and don't. Yeah, I'm like, what? I thought I had this huge buck. What the f like? Oh my oh, god! Well, I'm like, no, I, yeah. it's it's so frustrating because you're like, I saw the the most awesome deer tonight, had the coolest interaction. You go back and watch it, and you're like, where is it? Yeah, yeah, it's not uh, super. Yeah, and then like you drop stuff. Like one time, this is so silly. I didn't even consider it. Like I was like, oh, I'm gonna put my GoPro at the bottom of the tree and get a time lapse or like whatever of me climbing the tree and pulling my all the stuff. And then I didn't stop to consider like, oh, well now my GoPro stuck down there. Oh, attach your GoPro to your bow. Yeah, but I just was like, I wanted that view, and I could have like had a string on that to drag it something and i just didn't it didn't occur i'm like i'm gonna go back down to get it this is stupid i just didn't yeah. care and then the battery had died and so then the other thing with those damn things and i talk about gopros because 
I think that's probably short of your cell phone, the easiest entry point to just slap a GoPro above your head or whatever. And that's probably like a good way to just ease into it. Uh, they're yep. affordable, they're versatile, they're you know not gonna break super easy, you can get them wet, but battery life on those things, I don't care what version you buy, they suck. So I learned from some like videographers that I work with, they just plug in like an external battery, like one of yeah, those charging packs. Yeah, and you just you just throw that in the charging port, and you get like significantly more life out of the out of the GoPro. That's a fun hack. You just got to figure out a good way to mount it or whatever. But um, I know Greg on our on our team and Derek, they both do some self filming stuff. Um, I think Greg's got like a camera arm that he sets up, and he's got like a really decent like what I call like a handy cam or something like that. So not fancy DSLR, but it can really zoom in really well. It can capture a wide frame. It good quality footage. So like what kind of cameras are you running when you're self-filming now compared to when you started and what when you talk about like upping your content goals, like what are you trying to improve in your arsenal? Um currently I'm looking for a different mainframe camera to use. Haven't made a decision on that yet just because they're they're definitely more expensive and I don't want to, you know, purchase one and hate it. Um, like I've done twice in the past already. So I'm trying to figure out which one I should get. And it needs to be easy to use because if it's not, I am going to ditch it and just film with my cell phone. Um, so currently I'm filming with uh, two cell phones, two GoPros and a Handycam. And I'm using like a DSLR or my cell phones for like B-roll footage. Mm -hmm. um, the DSLR is more for like pictures and stuff, but honestly, the new cell phone I just brought, I just purchased the new Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra for this year's hunting season. And I mean, I zoomed in on the moon the other night with my phone and I could see all the craters. So, <laughs> I mean, they take just as good photos and videos as like some DSLRs do nowadays, or at least can keep up competitively for the content I'm trying to push out. So, um, uh, I'm not really sure what I'm going to use for a mainframe camera yet, but last year, what worked really well for me is I decided to keep my handy cam in my pocket and I would just use that for zooming, um, in and out, like capturing, you know, like bobcat kittens playing in the distance and deer coming in and feeding that were anything more than like 30 yards. I used my handy cam to film. Um, and honestly, like I got the kill shot with my cell phone and that was on complete accident because my handy cam battery died. <laughs> but, um, yeah, cell phones actually work really good for the kill shot because you're, I mean, what are you going to shoot with a bow? Not more than 30, 35 yards. Like your cell phone can get 30, 35 yards incredibly clear. Yeah, so yeah. especially now they have like pro video mode on them and everything where you can change the exposure and my uh my cell phone gets dark light really good like the last 10 minutes of daylight that you're allowed to shoot it's the only thing that picks up where my gopro footage is completely black the last 20 minutes of daylight are completely useless for gopro and handycam so i really just rely on my cell phone heavily for that last you know few minutes but yeah, cell phone is good. I got it. I don't know what some version of the iPhone, whatever, a new like fourteen or something. And it's like, yeah, it's nice to have, for, especially for B roll stuff. You throw in a cinematic mode or whatever you want to call it, pro, blah blah blah, and it does a pretty. I mean, you're most people are consuming this content on their phone anyway, so like the resolu the need for a resolution be much bigger than 
1080 by 1920 or whatever the phone screen size is, like you don't, it's, it's pretty damn good. And a lot of the stuff that people are putting out on social, the expectation is that that's not super polished. And then it makes yeah. your workflow super easy. Like a lot of stuff you see from OKS <laughs> Hunter, I do in CapCut on my phone. Like yeah. it's not super complicated. That being said, I also use other tools like Adobe Premiere um, Pro and Descript and so forth. Like, you know, we do run DSLRs and heavier camera equipment and we have video people now that are like following us along. I tell you though, when those guys pump out content like that they film for us, it, it does hit different. Like I'm like, oh I'm man. Sure. But I also don't know how to run that camera to its full capacity like these guys do. And I'm also not trying to sit down and edit all that stuff. So like for us to bring yeah. those guys on, it was, I don't know if you've watched any of the OKS Hunter show on YouTube or Carbon TV, but like Jace Martinetta with Martinetto Media, he did all of that. And then this last turkey season, we brought Keegan um, out with us and he, man, he caught some really great footage of these turkeys coming in. I haven't seen the full cut on that stuff yet because it's still got to get chopped. I'm like, well, who cares, guys? We're not going to post it till turkey, spring turkey season. So like sit on it for all I care. It's, it's fine. We'll see. It'll like, no one's going to care about a turkey video now. We're like obsessing about deer. Um, yeah. But just the small bits he sent through is just like teasers. I was like, damn, that looks good. Like, that's really cool that that's what you capture. But you'd have to invest so much money. Like if, if you, if you like, I forget what Keegan's handle is like wildlife photography or something. Um, he's, he was just on Antler Feathercoe's podcast. I think he was also on our, uh, one of the podcasts on our network Upduck. That'll be pr dropping soon. But if you look at his arsenal of like camera equipment, it's disgusting how much money that must've cost. It's his career. Like it's all he does. I mean, he travels yeah. to Alaska. He does all this stuff. But, like, I am not going to do that. I don't think maybe you're going to – like, unless you're going to go deep in it. Like, sometimes – I'll pay a cameraman. It, <laughs> it'll probably be cheaper than buying the camera right, and doing right. it myself. Like, I'll just – I'll find someone yeah, like, <laughs> at that point. <laughs> sometimes good enough is good enough. Like, there, there is that threshold. So if I'm going to do it, good enough is good enough. Like, I'm not going to be that, and I recognize that. So then, if yeah, if you can bring them in – to help you with that stuff here and there, like not everything is going to be that because that would be unaffordable. No. But I really like what you're doing because I'm a big, you know, everyone that listens to the show knows that I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and, you know, at some point in the past, he talked about document over or versus creating. Creating content is like going out and getting content and being creative in the moment or strategically planning around what creative is going to be. Documenting is just following along your process. You're just going to turn the camera on and document what you're doing. And I think you've done a good job of documenting and creating, but it seems like you've documented this journey from 2020 to now. And some of the comments in here, Robert has just commented, this girl's been killing it on her platforms. Like, um, I think that documentation style of like vlogger, I can't pull that off. I just can't, I can't, I just don't know how to talk to a camera on my own. Like it's so awkward. <laughs> like I'm already a pretty nerdy dad guy now. Like I'm past any stage where I could have ever been considered cool. So like I'm not even gonna try. Like I don't know what the hell I would talk about. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah. like yeah. So having someone else film, it's nice. Edited as well. Like it is edited. <laughs> so I mean, watching yourself. I mean, because I do everything myself, I have to listen to myself while I'm editing. Say things over and over and over and 
cut it and hear myself again and go back through and hear myself again. And it's a really torturesome process. And a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you're so good at talking through the camera. And it's like, yeah, maybe when no one's watching. Yeah, if you didn't see all the, like, yeah, or if you didn't see all the ohms and oh, that was stupid or all the weird faces I make. Like, I edit all that stuff out, you guys. Like, I'm not. I'm actually not that great. You should do a camera. blooper reel. Really you should not. do a blooper reel. You should do like the, this is what actually looks like. We did, I did one of those I, I, recently. I started. Yeah. Did you put Go some ahead. out ready? And I, maybe I just haven't seen it yet. Oh, I started posting like blooper reels on TikTok just to see if, you know, they were going to get any views or if people were going to like them. And a lot of people started commenting like, wow, thanks for like being realistic. This is why I follow you. You're showing that like, everything's not perfect and that was hilarious keep posting so like the one where you're on the construction equipment you're like i think they saw me (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that one i was just being retarded i was just trying to do like a little funny video and then like it was actually for a completely separate tiktok video and then because people saw me i couldn't redo it and so then i just had to use the content i had i'm like well i guess i'll just make fun of myself as per usual like (laughs) yeah and self-deprecating humor is my favorite type of humor it's really fun, yeah. but it's really funny with us. We'll like the camera gets rolling and, and the comment I've heard so far is like, oh my God, you literally can't make this stuff up. Like the camera should just be on all the time. You guys are idiots. You're just, you're not pretending to be, you actually are idiots. And like, it's all magic. It's all great because there's no dull moment with you dummies. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, it's funny. Um, we, we got, I, I don't know. I guess we got nominated for best comedic moment on carbon tv there's all these categories most cinematic best educational best conservation best episode best trophy best hunt all this stuff and (laughs) it was like no no we got best comedic and i was like yeah that's fitting hey listen that's something comedy will get you somewhere (laughs) we'll take it we're not trying (laughs) to be funny that's for sure i suppose yeah relatable because usually people see themselves in like the things that we put out and they're like oh that happened to me like we have the sticker don't forget your release and that's like, yeah, we. I, I did a post recently. I was like, well, if you haven't forgotten your release, like, good for you. Go get a cookie, I guess, because a lot of us have. Like, I, there's so many people that comment on the ad that we have running. They're like, I've never forgotten mine in 20 years. I'm like, cool, go yeah, get a cookie. Like, what do you, you want, want me to? <laughs> yeah, like, what do you want me to give you? Do you want like a freaking award? Like, I want that sticker. Don't forget your release. But can you make me one that says "Don't drop your release"? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. I throw it up on the screen here. But like, yeah, don't drop your release. That'd be another. That'd be another good one. Don't don't drop yeah. your snack. I'm working on a shirt design right now that I'm really excited to put out, but it's taking me longer than I anticipated because design is not my jam these days as it used to be. Um, so it just takes me longer. But I'm excited for it. We do have a. I'm just gonna call. We do have a live phone number. If anyone wants to call in and share some of their like. I don't know what I would, what we call okayest moments or what have you. Feel free, but out of all of the, <laughs> you've shared a couple, kind of, but like, do you have anything that stands out as like the okayest moment where you're like, oh, that takes the cake? By okay, are you are you asking people to like call and say, or are you asking me? I'm asking both, but okay. you since no one's called in just yet. But like, if you have one that's taken the cake, I would love to hear what you've done that you think is like should be nominated for most okayest moment. Okay, can you define like okayest moment? Uh, I don't like embarrassing or like big aha, huge mistake. Something that like was terribly wrong in the moment that you can look back and laugh at. Like you can okay. laugh at it now, but in the moment you're like, or maybe you laughed at yourself. I don't know, maybe someone caught you pooping. I don't know. Oh, uh, well, 
when I was turkey hunting this year, my friend told me to mention this, um, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so it's pinned at the top of my TikTok, but yeah. uh, I come the whole reason I didn't even get a turkey this year is because I didn't see it, but my cameraman caught the whole thing on film because he's sitting right behind me and you literally see the turkey walk right in front of the barrel of my gun and then duck down. And like, we didn't even see that until we went back and watched the footage and he was like, are you serious? So what happened? That, like, How didn't you see, like, how close was it? Um... I think it was like 25 yards, but what happened was, is like we were up on a hill and it went, uh, it was like down sloped and then we had our decoy right here and then it just like dropped down. So we saw the turkey coming in from like a hundred yards. I was watching her turkey run in like the entire way, but then when he got really, really close to that drop down, he disappeared and then you only saw his head pop up and down here and there. So I'm looking and I'm looking and, you know, you're crouched down and, and you, you can't move at all way less with turkey hunting than you can with deer hunting. And that's something that I had to learn the hard way a lot. So I was super nervous to like move and look around and I'm looking back and forth and he must have popped his head up and looked right when my eyes just must have been looking somewhere else right when he did that because <laughs> it wasn't he wasn't up and down for very long, but he was definitely there long enough for me to pull the trigger if I had seen him. So that was, uh, that's a, that was, that's a face that palm. was pretty up there for <laughs> embarrassing. I, I, I still get chewed out about that. Oh my God. Well, Rendell Eric shared one where he drank a bottle of his own piss on accident because he thought it was Mountain Dew. So like, oh I don't know which one's like missing your target, not even seeing your target. Like there's, there's a limitless <laughs> amount of mistakes people make in the woods. As long as you don't end up on like the DNR, like injury report, I think it's fine. Right. Uh, Cause there's enough of those things out there, but yeah that's that's funny um on the fitness side though i wanted to switch gears on that a little bit because you're like you're you're getting after it you're doing trail like perceivably i don't know um you're doing a lot of like runs and on trail runs and so forth like how's that been going for you um it was going good i just got back from vacation so uh you're off the wagon all that rolling out on that um but uh, working out is like an up and down thing. Like you get really good at it and then you might drop off the ball for a week or two and then you get really back good on it again. Um, but I definitely feel my best when I'm working out and I, I, my motivation is all for hunting. Um, going up and down the trees with all your camera gear and climbing up and down, running and gunning on public land, going a mile and a half, two miles deep into the woods by myself, like all that kind of stuff is really grueling. And um you know, I want to be able to keep up with the guys and or kick their ass. Keep Don't keep up with them. Just fucking I mean, pass them up. You know, <laughs> like, make them I keep up with you. Myself, you know, like I have a pride issue and I want to be able to do it myself, I guess. And then, you know, I also have this dream of um, going elk hunting with my bow and backpacking, you know, and doing it again, the, the hardest way possible. Um, and I, I know that if I do get the opportunity to go on an elk hunt, backpacking with my bow there's a lot of miles walked in a day 10 15 20 miles um, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on it and I want to be ready when I get that call and I know that when people plan elk hunts they'll start kind of training their body like a year ahead of time and it's not really going to work if I get a phone call because now I am working with companies that is a possibility I might get a phone call like hey you want to go elk hunting with us and I want to be like oh shoot I should have started preparing for this eight months ago you know so, I mean, I'm still nowhere near there yet, 
but I want to be when the time comes and I just feel better when I work out and it definitely, definitely comes in handy when you're, you know, hunting these giant ravines and, uh, you're, you're up on these giant oak ridges and, you know, you're slipping, walking up and down and it's just nice to be able to go up there and not be completely out of breath when you get to the top. So that's a plus. Yeah. Yeah. Is it some, I got three kids. They're, they're all turning, all the birthdays are September. So go figure. They uh, are turning two, four and six. And like, there's a point where I was starting to get winded. Just like I would carry a kid upstairs to bed. I'm like, man, like last winter, I was like, man, I'm really out of shape. <laughs> like, I don't look that out of shape, but I was. I was like cardiovascularly, like I'm not in good shape. So in April, I started running to prep for this run at the end of the month called the Crazy Legs Classic in Madison, where you run into Camp Randall Stadium where the Badgers play, and it's a it's a um, an eight k, so five miles or whatever it is, mm. five point some odd you know miles, and there's a grueling hill. It, like it's not okay. It's a terrible hill uh, in it's the middle of that run. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I'll prep for that. But then I just never stopped since the that run until like two weeks ago. I stopped running. I just things got a little crazy, chaotic, busy, whatever, and I just kind of fell off the map. I did a trail run, a nighttime trail run uh, at a state park, and then I did that, and then I hadn't ran since. So I ran. Uh, I, I love running in like extreme conditions. Like if I can run in, well, mostly heat. The hottest day, if there's like a heat warning, I'm probably going to run. Like, I just think that it's awesome because I'll sweat the most. It'll be terrible. And then at some point on like a really nice, pleasant day, I'll just, you know, be easy. Um, and so yeah, I ran. Like yeah. What's that? Do I? Uh, yeah. I, I have kind of, I think I did a 10 mile run for the first time ever. Just, just ran. I just wanted to see what I want to see if I could do a 10. I was going to try and do like a, a half marathon. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not shitting you like the nine to 10 mile mark. The whole thing was doable until I got to pass nine miles in between the 10. I was like, whoa, I hit like a, an act. I felt like an actual wall. Like I was like, my legs are killing my, I'm, I'm out of breath. Like I needed to walk. I didn't think I could do it. I was like, this is stupid. I've come this far. I can freaking do it. I did it, but it was bad. And I, my legs were pretty sore. And then I ran five miles a couple days later. Now you try to just do three when I can. The thing with running is it's fucking boring and it takes a lot of time. Yeah, I cannot do it if it's on pavement. I can't do it if it's on, like, uh, anything paved is boring. Sidewalks, roads, whatever, can't do it. The only way I can run more than one mile is mountain bike trails. They're fun. They're slightly dangerous. You have to pay super attention to where you're putting your feet or Mm -hmm. you'll just completely, like, bottom out. Um, (laughs) But that's the only way I can run and have it be mentally stimulating. Um, yeah, trailings are hard because there's mosquitoes. So like, yeah, I well, got chased by like a horsefly once, and then I was like running really fast, which messed with my breathing for a couple miles. I was like, <laughs> stupid horsefly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. It, it's it is good to know that if I'm gonna drag a deer out, at least I know my lungs aren't gonna like explode because I've felt that way before when I knew I was out of shape. And I'm like, man, if I could just make it a deer season with continuing to be somewhat healthful and we just had a good podcast last week with lynn and lauren he wrote a book called the hunter's health span and like as a dad and as a hunter i want to be I, I thought about this so this is an interesting like random tangent or side like i did a run when i met my wife and we were dating um like up in the up her dad was like hey there's this run up there you should do it and i was like okay i'll school this old guy like my future father-in-law right he's old i'm young i can handle this like i'm pretty motivated he beat me by like a lot 
and he's old. <laughs> like he's not that old. I'm not being an. I'm trying not to be an asshole because anyway, he he might listen or hear about it. But yeah. But like, I he had a he had he has three kids, four kids that have like already gone through like college, and are done. And I my kids are at the beginning of they're not even in school yet. They're in like kindergarten and less than that. So I'm kind of thinking now, like, gosh, I hope that by the time my youngest graduates college, I could go on a run with him like yeah and not be a total like schlump and i hope that if my kids get into hunting and they i can take them on an elk hunt or vice versa that i can do it and so for me it's like working out is not this rah rah moto like yeah like i'm a huge like i just want to be the tortoise that like shows up every day and by the end of it all like i'm still pretty good in my like life i can do it that's where I'm at now versus like 10 years ago, I was like, no, I'm going to rule the world. I'm going to beat everybody. I'm the, I'm going to be the baddest. Like I'm going to beat the old guys in the run and da, 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 whatever. And now I'm just like, no, I just want to be able to do this every day. So that way I have the outcome of being able to drag deer, go on runs with my kids, like go on elk hunts, hike mountains, whatever it is. Um, that to me seems really gratifying over the course of a lifetime. Yeah. Anyway, I'm oh, off my soapbox. I mean, another, I would say, I would say too, to add in, I, the main reason why I work out is for mental health purposes. Like it's a big one. It, it's just, it's my vice. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have really any other addictions and you know, I, I get really overwhelmed sometimes cause I have like raging ADHD and I get distracted and then I got to make all this content and um, I get overwhelmed. And then when I just go on a run, it's like, everything is just quiet. And I honestly get my best ideas when I'm working out because I'm so focused on like the pain in my muscles that my mind's able to like be quiet and just, I come up with good ideas. So it, it helps a lot in that area. Yeah, it does help having, whether it's working out, lifting, I don't, I don't care if you're doing yoga, like walking is probably the best thing. If you can't do anything, you can always go for a walk probably. Right. Yeah. And so I think like, yeah. If nothing else, you can go for a walk. Walking never made anything worse. Like if you got a problem, you're trying to think you're stressed, like go for a walk. It's not going to make anything worse. Um, no. But anything you do on top of that, like add stuff as you get going. The days that I run, lift, walk, work out, whatever, are significantly better mentally. I don't care about the, the physical part. I do a little bit. But like the mental part is such a reward yeah. that like it overcomes any of the other stuff. Like I don't doing this to i'm not gonna get a six pack anymore i'm 37 i got three kids i love right. beer and bourbon and like uh tony cordeo just said work uh, work hard now for the hunting snacks later like i love a good plate of nachos so right <laughs> you know I'll, I'll do it to afford the calories like totally that's a that's a great uh for me at least that's great and a lot of guys are like super fit like i i know i see we talk about like latitude i see cory goodar um and and jake bush just dude jake bush is like running 10 miles at seven minutes per mile. I'm like, dude, I, I was, I, 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 you couldn't, I couldn't do it. There's no, like, there's no way. When I was 20, I, you know, I could run or 18, whatever I was, I could do three miles in, in 20 minutes, but that was like killing myself to get that number. There's, yeah. I can't touch those numbers anymore. And maybe if I worked at it really, really hard, I could, but like, I just, I'm not that interested in being that physically fit. Uh, but it does make me feel very competitive. Like, I see him doing that. I'm like, F that guy. I'm going to go hard today. And then I'm like 1.2 miles in. I'm like, it took me nine mile, nine minutes. I'm like, well, I guess that's shot. 
Oh, I, if, if I'm running like five or six miles, I'm completely okay with doing 10 minute like miles. Like I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm out here freaking going for an entire hour, barely without stopping. Like, I'm like, I don't care if it takes me 10 minutes or if I get it in nine minutes. I mean, that's cool too. I mean, I, I, I time it just to see if I'm making progress, but you know, some days are better than others. Some days you're going to run better. Some days you're going to run. Yeah. Who knows why? I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of like dietary reasons, sleep reasons. So like weather conditions, air quality, all yeah. that stuff adds up. But yeah, yeah some days Again, like for the mental health. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, goals for this season. Do you have any hunting goals? I don't. Don't even ask me when. But <laughs> currently I'm obsessing over trying to complete my first out of state hunt. So I'm doing a bunch of research about hunting in Kentucky. It's only a two hour drive to the border for me. And I've been watching a bunch of videos on like how to run and gun on public land. I'd really like to get a buck in velvet, uh, but I know that's only for the first couple of weeks of season opener. They open September 2nd and Ohio doesn't even open to like the 26th or 27th, somewhere around there. So, I mean, I get an extra, I get like a full three and a half weeks of hunting in Kentucky and that would be really cool to get one in velvet. If I do, I do. If not, I have my tags paid for to hunt there for all of deer and turkey season. So that's cool. When um, is it, when does it open? That's gotta be real soon, right? September 2nd. Yeah. That's like, okay. You might've said, I just didn't catch it. Not this week next weekend next are, saturday and are you going so, out right away yeah so i thought i'm i might end up going this weekend to do some scouting and check out the areas and make sure i have places to go um because i've never traveled out of state to hunt before other than with my dad when i was a kid and i feel like that doesn't really count um so this will be my first true attempt at doing it and i'm doing it by myself so there's a lot of, of um, logistics that go into that. I'm mm-hmm. planning on like camping and, you know. It's just a totally cool. different ballgame. That's going to feel really cool. It's going to feel really cool. And I, it, I'm going to be pretty stressed about it because, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i self-filming. So then I'm like, how do I keep my batteries alive? I've got to think about like food, water, shelter, you know, filming. And that. do I even care about scent control? Can, am I, can I care about scent control at that point? Like... There's a lot of things that go into it. So I've been looking up like um, campgrounds with the cheapest rates and how close they are to the public land that I want to hunt. And I've been doing a lot of scouting with OnX, you know, just virtual. And um, I might go down this weekend and check out some spots and do some glassing. I'm hoping to find some public land up near some open areas and bean fields and we'll see what happens. No, that's cool. Go get like an Ozonics unit or some sort of like... uh... Oh yeah, for you know, sure. ozone yeah. generating whatever dry wash your stuff that might help a little bit. Um, uh, here's a fun food hack that I did years ago. I went to the Boundary Waters. We there's this dude. I think he's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure you can still find the videos. I think he was called like Yankee Prepper. And there's another dude called like what the hell is he called? Babblefish Five. I don't know how I'm remembering this. This is a long time ago, but he I think Babblefish Five had like these recipes that you could just go cook whatever the hell you're going to cook. Like I cooked venison chili, venison stroganoff, uh, venison stew, and venison spaghetti. I cooked all those meals on all four burners at like the same time. I just just went ham on a di- during a day, cooked four venison meals, and then I um, took those meals and I 
your oven is a dehydrator. You don't need to get a dehydrator. You don't need to like freeze them or no. So listen, so you take the food, you take a, you put on a cookie sheet on, on, um, like parchment paper or whatever, wax paper, spread it out really thin as thin as you can throw it in the oven for like 10 hours on the lowest possible setting. It'll come out looking burnt and terrible. And then you vacuum seal that with the parchment paper and, uh, your parchment paper is important because that's your fire starter. You can use that for fire starters, an extra bonus. Um, and then you just pour that in like a canister, pour a little bit of water in there, boil it up, and it comes out. I am shitting you not like it came out of the freaking kettle you cooked it in. It was incredible. So we had four meals like that in the Boundary Waters. Our dumbasses didn't test it. We just like were like, oh, let's just trust it. But it worked out okay. Like it was fine. It worked out okay, though, right? <laughs> but but you, I would say, try do a test run. Like cook some meal. You know, do one serving. Try it out. Dehydrate it. Everybody has a dehydrator in their house. It's your oven. You can you can dehydrate any food in there, and yeah, then it, you just reheat it in water with boiling water. It comes back to life. Like it was unbelievable. We ate like kings in the Boundary Waters because of that. Wow. And you didn't have to I, buy uh, all the expensive freeze dried shit from REI or Cabela's or whatever. It was like super affordable because we were cheap i didn't have any money we were like college kids i uh i'm i'm talking to a company right now they're called uh on point food adventures it's like a husband and wife team and they cook everything in their own kitchen and um they sent me some stuff to try so i'm actually hoping to try it while i'm camping because it's all it's all like freeze-dried stuff but they make like freeze-dried cheesecake and yeah who is it what's it called on point food adventures sweet yeah stock up on that go buy some like i don't mean my one buddy like we got i think he had a bunch of mres left over which i think had gone bad he brought them to deer camp last year i was like what the fuck did you get these do they go bad yeah they go bad the shit expired <laughs> i was like dude these are from 2004 like you can't we can't eat these <laughs> we tried i was like i think i'm gonna get sick i was so excited to eat an mre like because you can heat stuff the heating component didn't work anymore like it was all it was all trash i think i still have my um in my hunting backpack right now <laughs> it was not yeah i'm gonna give him shit for that but no like doing the 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 dehydrating your own food is cool because if you have a favorite meal just go cook it and then dehydrate it vacuum seal yeah. it, and you're all set like it was it was crazy how effective that was um anyway so that's no the camping thing in early season is cool getting a buck in velvet sounds awesome except for like bugs and heat like it can still be really really hot and that I hope you have like a really big, good cooler. Like the, we got the meat log on the repping from uh, Half Rack. That thing's huge. It can fit a full bag of ice and a full quartered up deboned uh, large dough. So, oh, nice. It's been tested. Someone flew with meat in the bag. I didn't know that was like legal. Like, I feel like TSA would have a problem with like just carting around fucking meat. Um, yeah. But it, it, I mean, how <laughs> it cold? Like, how do they know you didn't murder someone? I don't know. It's kind of weird. I mean, technically you did, but. Um, yeah, otherwise, like, you know, whatever, whatever, the, the there's all these good coolers out there now, but making sure that you get that stuff on ice quickly is going to be critically important in a yeah. heat situation or hot day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I haven't gotten that far into my logistics of planning yet, but it's definitely going to, it's definitely going to happen. I'm sorry, <laughs> and you're welcome. Huh? I'm sorry, and you're welcome. I know. I started planning this out, and I'm like, oh, shoot, like, I need a notebook. Like, I just need to start writing everything down. So I did, and my list just kept getting bigger and every bigger and bigger. An and every time I wrote something down, it created like three more problems. And I'm like, oh, like <laughs> I wish I wish I could go down there with somebody. I just 
you know, either people live, anybody who'd want to go with me or could go with me lives too far away or has a job that they can't just dip out and leave. Like I literally just quit two jobs last week so that I could do this more this season. So like, I'm really excited. So what's the job situation? So like you had two jobs and now you're, you have no jobs. Like, are you, how are you? Oh no, I had. I had like four, so I quit two. So what were you left. doing with four, how? What are the four jobs? What are what is your like uh, so, location? Um, I'm a nail tech. Uh, I'm a nail tech. I was a nanny 24 hours a week, and then I bartended on the weekends. So I quit the nanny job and the bartending job. So now I essentially just do nails, and then I create content. I'm counting that as a job because I do make income from it, and I'm trying yep. to make that full time. Yeah. So I, I was full time nail tech, but cut that down and then I just I'm just that I'm one of those people that just likes to work a lot and I want more money so I can spend more on hunting stuff yeah so. yeah that's good are you are you in like the 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 TikTok creator marketplace is that working out for you are you doing more with like the TikTok product marketplace do you then I've never even tried it well shit you should do it <laughs> you probably I, I don't what, what for what, what so like to TikTok creator marketplace and this is gonna get nerdy, and everyone that listens to them is like, "Oh God, Eric, oh, here goes here goes Eric down the marketing path again." But like, if you join the TikTok Creator Marketplace with your following, any brand searching the TikTok Creator Marketplace for creators is going to find see you under like a hunt category, and so they may be like, "Hey, you know, we have this, you know, saddle. We have this, what, like, pick a like a site or a range finder or whatever." talking about yeah 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 Yeah, so i think that's how we engage initially too i think i reach out to you like hey do you want to like yeah you guys found me on marketplace one time but doing it through the marketplace is like i've noticed it's challenging so we've i i just like to test stuff out so like oh let's see how this works and so some people we did soup to nut marketplace like payment video all of it happened through that portal other people i just found in contact we did it's like some side pot bet deal like I'll give you PayPal money or or go, I'll buy you a case of beer, whatever it was. Because some people are like, dude, I don't want your money. I just love your shit. Like we're happy to rep it. I was like, oh well, in that case, what do you want? Like what kind of beer? Like, at least let me buy you a beer. You know. Right. Um, some people we pay through the marketplace. What, what the challenge was is like TikTok says it'll audit the video to comply with their standards, yeah. and you think that that would be in a sandbox environment, meaning like you could detonate, detonate or submit that video and like not have any repercussions because it's like vetting the video for you. However, if you submit it and it doesn't meet their criteria, you actually get a strike against you. So then it freaked me out because like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're in this like safe place and you're telling me that if a creator submits a video and it doesn't meet your criteria, you're gonna dock them and potentially ban their channel. So then I was like, we gotta pump the brakes here because my goal in this is not to try to get you banned off the freaking app because you do really well here. Um, So that was, really a, a unique learning like you need to really understand the tiktok guidelines and terms and conditions so you don't mess up the thing that could potentially be making a living for you if you have hundred thousand plus followers um, but there's I mean, brands that need content like brands need content more than you could possibly imagine the biggest brands have the smallest marketing teams they need the most content and like it's hard to come by yeah it is and people don't want to watch commercials anymore no, and this is the TikTok stuff is like very authentic. Like it's like it's it's yeah. real. It's real stuff. It's a real person that's like gonna give an honest review. Um, there's a number of people that give pretty good reviews about like authentic. Like we did a review on the Latitude Sticks. We're pretty damn authentic about it. Like 
we weren't we weren't trying to like say the I think we work with them, but I was also like, well, yeah, that's true. However, our like reputation is currency. Like our credibility as a as a brand also is at stake. So if we just like said these are the best things in the world, and we're like, we hate these things, like that wouldn't work. So we did a pretty strenuous test on them. We hung them um, in a scenario that was not favorable intentionally to see how well they would hold up. And if you watch the video on YouTube, like this thing is like hanging off the tree by like a couple inches. It's not even on the freaking tree and it didn't let go of its bite. And I was like, well, shit, that's pretty impressive. Um, wow. So I was like, yeah, they're legit. So like, whatever, like there's things like that too, that, that brands are like, they can't control the narrative. They need to let you do your thing. Otherwise it won't be authentic and your audience will pick up on the bullshit a mile away. I don't see yeah. the TikTok stuff. I don't know what people are saying. Especially if you sound like a little too scripted or, you know, if you're just like, this is amazing and I love it. And you're using those same phrases over and over, but then you don't get into the nerdy, gritty details as to why, or you don't show evidence to back up your claim, then it can, it can crumble. And then your, you know, reputation or your um, opinion will quickly be worthless. Yep. Yeah, look, so lacrosse boots, we're working with them on a new boot called the Ursa boot. But it's new. Like, no one has really experienced this boot yet. So I was like, well, how are we going to do this? Like, I can't, I can't put my stamp of approval on a new product if I've not used it. So I was like, well, okay, we'll do it very authentically. We will talk about it as we use it. And we'll just be very candid about it. Candidly, you're going to need some time to break those puppies in just like any boot like they will be like very rigid and stiff on your feet you need to break i would recommend like doing some rucks with those boots before you wear them into the white pill woods so you get rid of like all the blister problems that you might have um but they're waterproof they're tough they're rugged they're, they're actually pretty damn comfortable um but we're like teasing that out as we go versus saying these boots are amazing they'll last forever like how the hell do we know we've never used them for a season you know on the other hand gum leaf boots we worked with them like four years ago i still have the pair they're amazing they're like natural rubber, which isn't a thing in the market anymore, apparently, because everyone uses like PVC, so they break down really quick. They dry rot. And our gum leaf boots do not dry rot. They're still good to go. They've been punctured, and they're so, con they're so dense that they like fill the puncture, so they don't actually leak. And they're super comfortable. Oh, wow. But they're not paying me to say that. That's just the truth. And like I love the sure. truth. That's, that's where like I think it's important to be transparent about things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You don't want, uh, I mean, what's the point of having an audience if you're, you know, not, not going to be truthful about your opinion? I think t the TV world was that way. And I think that's why it's gone on the, the days of the dinosaur. Like people know, people yeah. know, oh, and this is how I killed this buck with this scent product right here. If you're not using blah, blah, scent product, you, you ain't killing kill big buck. Okay. <laughs> Well, I also don't watch TV because I cut the cable like 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, it's a different yeah. world these days. So, yeah, whatever. It's uh, it's I think the industry is and the community has picked up on what the industry has done. Yeah. I don't know where we're at in this conversation. I apologize if I've totally derailed us. But uh, <laughs> You're good. apologizing to our guests. Thanks. <laughs> No, thanks for hanging out. Like this is this is good stuff. I know you're in Ohio, so it's a little later year end. Um, I don't know where, where do people find you on social, like that want to follow along with your journey as you continue to level up and, and like go forth with more video, more 
hunting, more learnings and, and all that jazz. I try to keep it simple. So just my name, Caitlin Armstrong, and it's the same across all platforms. Nice. A unique enough name that it worked out pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Especially if you throw like the word hunting in there, you'll find me real quick. <laughs> well, I think, you know, one of the cool things I liked about you and I saw your stuff uh, and, and we, we, we love, um, like we have another podcast that just hit our network, the onset podcast with Elizabeth Brownell. She was on here recently. Oh yeah. And yeah, I'm actually going to be doing a podcast with her probably next week. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Good. So you're doubling up here on the OKF network. But yes, there's not – there's the, the – so hunting is small. Bow hunting is really small. Female hunters is tiny. Oh, like when you zoom cool. in on the, on the community or the industry or whatever you want to call it, and, and there's a number of, like, female huntresses that give female hunting a really bad rap. They're holding bows yeah. upside down. They're bikinis. They're doing dumb shit. They're like promoting products, all for sake of getting in front of the feed as a male, like you know, whatever uh, yeah. hunter. And and I think the good people in the hunting industry really know what's going on and appreciate things. So you were you were one of the one of the female hunters that has a really good demeanor, good head on her shoulders, that's putting out a great message and good quality content. So like. You're not for love or likes, whatever the hell that shit is. Um, <laughs> you know, and I don't know if you know what that is or not. I've seen it before, but it seems like it's very huntress, very, um, yeah, like for love or likes. Let's let's think about that for a second. Like that's very different than how do you hunt out of a saddle, right? That's yeah. there's no meat on the bone there, um, and I'm being very uh, candid. <laughs> it's definitely a stereotype. That's for sure. And I, I do try to break that mold because I kind of tell people that, uh, like, we'll think about it this way, that I want to be in the hunting industry. I want to work in the hunting industry. I want brands to take me seriously. And what do brands want? They want to sell things. And who are they selling things to? Hunters. And why do hunters buy things from brands? Because it is going to help them either be better, perform better, what have you, but it, it's going to improve their hunting in some way, shape or form. And, and people take it very seriously. Now you can have a hot girl selling beer and have it sell millions because nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, <laughs> you know, you're just, it's just beer. You're going to buy it from a hot chick or a girl wearing a bikini. But when it comes to buying a saddle, and changing your mind about hunting a tree stand, which guys have been hunting at a tree stands forever, you know, changing somebody's mind on that and trying to bring something new into the platform. If you're not educational or haven't experienced it yourself, like nobody would think twice to talk to me about purchasing a saddle. And I'm just using that as an example, cause that's just what I do on TikTok. But um, nobody would think twice to talk to me about purchasing a saddle, purchasing a saddle. If I was doing things, you know, like shooting my bow in a bikini every time or, you know, like, like you mentioned, the typical female hunter stereotype. And I really want my content to be educational based because that's how I learned how to hunt. I learned how to hunt from the internet. So I want to give back and show other people and kind of fill in the gaps where I feel like if I Google a question and things aren't popping up, once I figure it out, then I want to make a video to fill in that gap. Mm -hmm. So I really like education. I don't like gatekeeping. I like sharing things with people. Um, and so, yeah, like, I guess because I'm so education focused, you know, you have to be that way. If you want to work with companies and brands in the hunting industry, you know, 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. I your again your demeanor, your perspective is really, and, and you, you're centered around the right thing. Um, hunters know their stuff, and they can sense that stuff. And the people that actually give a shit and want to actually make a purchase or like you know learn something new, like they'll pay attention to what you have to say as long as there's like real, like what's the word I'm looking for, like there's real meat behind what you're saying and not just like, oh, look at me. I'm going to tell this thing. Like we, we know what the brands, that's a shortcut and it doesn't work. So like, yeah, you know, Oh great. You got a million views. Well, yeah, they're perverted views and like, that's not going to lead to anything significant or meaningful. So. Uh, well, you're not going to sell anything that way either. If you look at the comments under those millions of views videos, it's all like heart emojis or comments about how the female looks Whereas you look underneath my videos that have a million views, you see, I mean, you get, you get those sprinkled in regardless of what I'm wearing, you get those sprinkled in, Yeah. but the majority of my comments and stuff are like questions or how do you do this? Or where can I buy that? Or, you know, they want more, they want more educational content, which I think is cool. No, but like, so I have my, my oldest is my daughter. She's going to be six Logan. And she, when she watches movies, like she really loves the female characters, like I, the emoji movie. There's a princess that goes rogue, right? And she's not the what's Wreck It Ralph breaks the internet. There's the princess who's not like all the other princesses. Like my daughter loves these. She loves to see herself in these characters that break the mold. Um, sure, she loves the princesses, but she really loves these like defiant characters. And she she'll talk to me about it. Like Dad, I really liked seeing that girl that like wasn't like all the other girls, but was doing really cool things. And she can see herself in that. I think it's important for like women that are interested in hunting to see another female that's doing hunting things that's not being a D-bag about it, for lack of a better <laughs> term, or some diva. And it's like, oh, well, this, this girl's like pretty legit. She's actually hunting for real and doing cool stuff. Therefore, I could, I could do that. I can see myself doing that. Like, I think it's important to have that representation for people to identify with that are not, you know, like there's a lot of chauvinistic male, it's a male dam dominated industry. It just is like, there's no, it, it just is. Yeah. And that's not good, bad or indifferent. It's just the reality. Um, but like, you know, I have a daughter and I would love for her to get into hunting and come to deer camp and whether she chooses to do that or not, it's up to her. I'm not going to force her. If she takes an interest, I'll fan the flames. If not like whatever, but if she does, I want her to feel like she can be there, you know, because she'll she's she's a beast. Like my daughter will give anyone a run for her money. She's the most independent human I've ever met in my life. Um, <laughs> super stubborn, like, and she's very quick witted. So like, I'm sure she'd give all my buddies a run for their money and anything they're gonna throw at her. <laughs> like, I'm sure so, she'll make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, I think it's important for you know when she's 14 and you're still around and she sees you that she sees someone respectable that is putting out good stuff or elizabeth is putting out good stuff and so forth like it's something that's pretty important to me actually so i i think it's pretty cool thank you for taking time out of your evening albeit i totally dropped the ball on like being on time um i won't blame my kids but i'll just say like <laughs> they have a <laughs> it's their fault that i was playing um calder um, said my only child is three is it i'll just put on the screen here um Calder said, my only child is a three-year-old girl, and I really want female role models in the hunting industry for her to look up to and uh, to look up to who aren't using their body for attention. Precisely. Like, thank you. That's a good summation. Like, that's it. 
Yeah, somebody on our live too, I just happened to notice a comment mm -hmm. and they said way more respect for the way you carry yourself. Somebody I can actually let my daughter watch. And you know, I just started getting a lot more parents reaching out to me with comments like that in my in my DMs and in person. Um, I I mentioned earlier that I've been doing some conventions and at these conventions, I'm getting to meet some of my, for lack of a better word, fans, you know, and, and people who love my content. And I've had a bunch of like kids come up to me and, you know, give me a hug and ask to take my picture. And then their parents in, you know, the background are telling me like, thank you for making content that is appropriate for my kids to watch and somebody that they can look up to in the hunting industry, because there's really few females, you know, like that. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just starting to see like the full circle and you know what it's all about. And I'm really appreciative of those moments. They're literally the best. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool because like, you know, I, I, I listen to girls that hunt on other podcasts. A lot of times the, the questions are like, so what's it like being a female in the hunting industry? Why is that the question? What, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, and, yeah. I, and I've used this example before. I forget who, uh, I forget her name that was on her show, but she, she's a writer. She's, she's a hell of a cook. And she's like, you know what, you know what grinds my gears is that question. And she's like, you want to know the, the, the funniest thing that happened to me as a girl being in hunting is like, I have to freaking pee and all the guys can jump in the car and whip it out and go in the ditch. And here I am, I got to squat and I got, but I got to take everything off to do that. And she's like, mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest, like, that's the only big difference beyond that. It's all the same. Just if you're talking just hunting, absolutely. Just hunting, it's all the same. If you're talking industry. Oh, for different. sure. Yeah. Industry is different. If yep. you're just talking hunting, we're the same. We're equal other than strength and going to the bathroom. We're equal. Um, but, but, but you working out as much as working out, like strength is debatable. Like a lot of guys got some <laughs> no, big old no. beer guts and, and like they'd be hooping. I think I would trust you to carry out my deer faster than half my buddies. Uh, I'd be, I, you know. You, you'll just, you just have to see. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a good competition right there. No, it, it's all, it's all in good fun though, too. Like, I think the, the representation that's starting to come into the fold from the people that like we, certain people pay attention and we look at social, we see what's going on and, and we know what's legit and what is, you know, the fake bullshit. And uh, you're not that. So that's, that's, all. that's one of the reasons why you're on the show. If you, if you weren't, you wouldn't you wouldn't be on the show because there's no chance in hell I'm talking to one of those people. It'd be a two minute conversation. I'd be like, well, that was a good live show. <laughs> and it's done. Hey, yeah. yeah. And I I you know, I, I'm surprised you, you you mentioned like the girl the the girl you're talking to said she gets really frustrated with that comment about, you know, what's it like to be a female hunter? Um, for the most part, I feel like m most people that talk to me are ask me real legitimate questions and they're not for the most part they're not female based specifically i don't mind getting female based questions as long as it's not questions that's like what are you going to do with your hair during hunting season because i've gotten some of those questions before and it's just like really degrading i'd ask what so, would you do with your hair for hunting season from a scent control perspective <laughs> like because that you have a i'm bald i have no problem hair, right. hair carries scent you've got a lot of it like you know that's a different concern but I think her yeah. frustration came from the fact that that's like a common question for multiple people. And it wasn't beyond that. Like they weren't seeing her beyond what's it like that? Like there wasn't a, they weren't treating her as an equal because that's the only question they were yeah. asking over and over and over yeah. again. That's the point I think. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I do get comments like that as far as like not being treated like an equal or, and it just depends on like what, what a stereotype or category you're talking to. Like, I think there's definitely a certain types of people that you talk to in the industry that are going to see you know, me as a certain way, whether or not they, just cause they're not going to take the time to talk to me and, you know, figure out what I'm about. They're just going to, it's, they basically just look at me as like just another pretty face, you know, um, or, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating, but to answer your question about the hair thing, um, <laughs> the scent control? Yeah, yeah. without me getting off track, to answer your question, you're going to shave it. Um, you're going to shave it before you yeah. go to, before you go to Kansas. Yeah. You're, uh, you're going to get, you're never going to be completely scent free. That's true. Like ever. I try my best just to not leave scent in the woods by using like rubber boots and tucking my pants into my boots and stuff like that. Um, I wash my hair with shampoo and they make scent free conditioner, scent free shampoo. Yep. So I just do that. But and, you're not um, using like your fancy, I don't even know the shampoo and conditioner my wife has oh, in the shower, yeah. but it's not like I literally have no hair. So like it's of zero yeah. concern for me. But I know you're not using that you know, the week leading up to your hunt, like, no, you're not. And they make a lot of better stuff now than they did when I was a kid. I mean, when I was a teenager hunting with my dad, it was absolute misery using his shampoo. It was just like this green stuff from Walmart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The green stuff. Huh? Yeah. The green stuff is like a staple. It's like a core memory actually. It's horrendous. It dries your skin out. It makes you like, <laughs> I remember trying to like rip a brush through my hair and it was just like a matted mess because i always use conditioner and that thing made your hair feel like but he was probably really excited that you were using that that. he's probably like oh yeah she uses the scent control she's it she's legit (laughs) well they uh they make conditioner now so apparently there is enough of a here's a company idea for you go create hair care products that are on caliber as the best shit in the hair care industry that are completely scent free so women can wash their hair and it doesn't get damaged. Yeah, and I I I think that there's this one company, Southern Racks. They do a really good job with their line of like scentless, huntless products. And I was using them for a long time because not only do they do shampoo, conditioner, but they also do lotion and dry shampoo. And it's all for hunting. That's cool. And yeah. And let yeah. me tell you, like sometimes when you're hunting and it's like 15 degrees outside, I'm really thankful for that lotion. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, I have to brush my daughter's hair sometimes, and I, and I like, if she hasn't, if we have not, like, shampooed and conditioned her hair, like, it doesn't go well, okay? She's five. No, it doesn't. She's five. It's completely and she's different. painful. It's she's horrible. crying. She's mad. It's, like, drama. And I'm like, damn it. It's drama. She's so, pain. She, she's in pain, but it's drama. Yeah, she's like, Dad, you're hurting my hair. I'm like, God, just, just it, it's going to hurt a little bit. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, we got to brush your hair, okay? We got to get the knots out. But, yeah. like. If she uses really good conditioner, it's smooth. It's silky. It's beautiful. There's no pain. There's no drama. It's a great experience for everybody. And so, like, I could just envision the world where she goes hunting. I give her some shit hair product, then we're back to square one again. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, there were days where I remember as a teenager, I would just tell my dad, like, I'm not washing my hair. I washed it yesterday. I'm not getting up an hour earlier than you are to go hunt just because I'm a girl. I have to wash my hair. Just deal with it. Like, spray my hair. Like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Just but, I mean, I watched I'd washed it in the scentless stuff the day before and I just wasn't going to wash it in the scentless stuff again, you know. But like if so there's like dirt scent, there's pine scent, there's corn scent, there's all these like hunter scents that exist yeah. from like a mm-hmm. like you can use drier, you know, sheets that smell like dirt 
Like if you had, it, I'm not kidding. Like if you developed or you found a way to develop a hair care product that was like, no, this is dirt scent conditioner, but at a high grade. Yeah. I mean, they can make it smell like freaking roses. You, you, you tell me you can't make it smell like dirt. I bet you could. Yep. There you go. You oh, want to yeah. find? You want it like? You want to find love in the deer woods, or maybe not, or in the bar? Like, how about bacon? You know, let's get. Well, all those girls that are like, uh, they go nuts during fall season. You know, like the typical like, oh, white girl. You know, Starbucks pumpkin drink. Yes. Yes. Basic know, bitches. Like, yes. Make yeah, like do <laughs> make like a shampoo that's like autumn floor scent for there hunting. it is and there's yeah that's gotta be like how is that not a thing that's gotta be someone's working on it somewhere because i promise it is a very small minuscule selling point <laughs> do you know how many of us are there are but there's not guys that have long hair like some dudes still want to rock out like they're they're you know heavy metal jamming days where they're hanging you know head banging like they, what are they gonna do it's not just women some dudes like i'm not one of those dudes because i'm bald as shit but like it's a thing my buddy Mike, There's who comes gun hunting, he's got luscious locks. Like he's got long hair. He's very proud of it right now. Who? My buddy that comes gun hunting with us. He's like got oh. very long hair, and he's very proud of it. He's like, dude, people have told me I look like Aaron Rodgers. I'm not cutting it off. I'm like, well, Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets. I think it's time, pal. <laughs> anyway. Somebody just suggested dough and heat scent. That would be disgusting. Yeah, you're not trying to live with that on your hair, but. No. Uh, the nose so jammer like shampoo does. Apple, that would work. <laughs> yeah, apple, pine, corn, dirt. Yeah. Those are your scents. Anyway. Apple or pine would be good. Yeah, cool. Caitlin, thanks for being on the show. I'm going to end the live broadcast. We're going to bring the plane in for a landing. Zach from THP. Exactly called her. He's got super long, luscious locks of hair. And I can say that because I'm very jealous of anybody with hair. Like, what does he do for hair care? Scent control. He's got longer hair than you, Caitlin. Like, I mean, you know, he's got super curly hair and he just lets it like fly around while he's hunting. And I'm like, I don't, I could not do that. I have to have it all back out of the way. There's no way. We're going to take, I'm going to make a micro clip of this. We're going to tag Zach in that and we're going to ask him what his hair care products are. And you guys can go in on it together. Probably he's going to say the green stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the green stuff, the core memory right there from our childhood. <laughs> like when you smell the green stuff in the shower, you know it's hunting season. Straight <laughs> up. Oh, my God. Well, cool. I'm going to end live broadcast and uh, hang out for just a second. I'm going to end the TikTok also. And uh, everyone that tuned in, thanks a bunch. This will be live in podcast land tonight and uh, YouTube tomorrow and all that fun stuff. So thank you.